Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Campus Safety Voices podcast. My name is Amy Rock, and I am the senior editor for Campus Safety Magazine. Since the COVID-19 vaccine rollout, there have been many discussions about the unique storage and transportation needs of each vaccine, including shelf life and the ultra-low temperatures at which they need to be stored. This is where temperature monitoring technology comes into play. I had the opportunity to speak about this technology with Lauren Clancy, Centrax Senior Director of Wireless Environment Monitoring Solutions. In our chat, we discussed the technology's role during the pandemic, challenges hospitals are facing in regard to vaccine storage, and how these types of technologies can be used beyond the pandemic and vaccine storage. We also had the chance to discuss other topics that would be useful for anyone who is playing a role in vaccine distribution. Take a listen. Before we jump into our conversation, for some context for our listeners, can we just start by talking about what Centrac does and what the company's role has been in helping with the vaccine rollout? Sure. Well, um, you know, Centrac is a is a leader in the uh, RTLS space, and that's an acronym for Real Time Location Service. So, as part of uh, one of our use cases, uh, temperature and environmental monitoring is a um, is actually a significant part of our business. Um, perhaps a little less known than the RTLS side. Um, and what we've done relative to the um, uh, vaccine rollout is, is really significant in that we provide uh, acute care sites, uh, really some of the larger uh, hospital systems, uh, the ability to store safely uh, the COVID vaccines. So, and we all know that there are uh, several different types of vaccines that are, are now uh, coming to bear, um, all with uh, different stability budgets and concerns. So um, we're in a place where we can uh, really address uh, all of uh, what's coming down the pike. Okay. And from your company's perspective or yours, what have been the biggest challenges in storing the vaccine and how have those problems been addressed or how have processes been changed to accommodate those challenges? Yeah. So, you know, there's such a huge awareness around uh, COVID vaccines, um, and, and rightfully so, um, that everybody is watching uh, very carefully. And uh, um, as far as we're concerned, we've been monitoring ultra-low freezers, um, you know, minus 80s, which is where the Pfizer uh, vaccine is stored uh, for, for years. Um, it just happens that in this case that the contents are you know, really visible and really important. But, um, you know, we do clinical trial drugs, we do patient samples in these ultra low units. So uh, it's not a stretch for us to do this in, in, in any way. It's, it's really standard fare. It's just the, the notoriety of what's being monitored is what's, what's a little different. So whether it be, um, you know, whether it be the ultra cold uh, temperatures that Pfizer requires or uh, the frozen temperatures that Moderna requires at, um, you know, about minus 25. Um, and then, of course, we're going to get into the J&J, which is two to eight. Um, Novavax, uh, I think, is going to be about the same. And then, um, you know, who knows whether we're going to get, uh, you know, AstraZeneca here or, you know, maybe we'll even get some Sputnik. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, for you guys, you've had the technology in place, like you said, and the processes in place. So it's just, I guess you're, you're having an advantage in that perspective. And some hus- from hospital people that I've spoken to, some do as well. Like a lot of them have said, we've stored vaccines for, you know, decades, whether it's been a flu, uh, 
uh, administering the flu vaccine to their staff and patients as well. It's, it's just, I think for them, it's adjusting to the influx and also the unpredictability of when the vaccine is going to come to them. A lot of them have said, you know, for their first shipment, oh, I got, we got a call that it was on its way and then it got delayed. So I think it's hospitals for them. They have, for example, Centrac technology in place to help them store it, but it's the unsureness of all the other aspects of transporting it that seem to be the most challenging. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, the, the whole cold chain integrity piece is, um, it's really quite complicated in making sure that um, from manufacturing point all the way to uh, being inj injected into the patient's arm, uh, that integrity piece has to be maintained the entire way with traceability. And, um, you know, Centrac fits a portion of that. Um, we, I wouldn't say that we really are doing last mile, um, but we are doing, you know, into the hospital. And then from the hospital, while we can do last mile, um, there are other options that people might want to consider. However, you know, we do have, as long as that uh, hospital is on the same network as to where that vaccine may be transported to, um, then that data uh, from that thermal packaging box um, can be collected at that site, uh, then pushed up into the network uh, where all that data is then, uh, is then collected. So, you know, we are well known in the cold storage unit within the hospital, uh, but we can do other, uh, other types of monitoring. And the other, I think, important piece is that um, the CDC is, is very, very specific on the care and handling of vaccines. They've bolted on the COVID vaccine um, care and handling to a standard document that stipulates um, how it's done, the design of the sensor, uh, what's expected. Uh, so uh, there's not a lot of room for modification. You do have to meet that CDC uh, care and handling guide. And I now I imagine Centrac regularly speaks to hospitals who are storing vaccines using your technology. Can you talk about the challenges you've heard from hospital personnel and how your technology has been able to help them? Well, of course, the biggest thing that everybody wants to be sure of is that the uh, sensor um, is uh, recording data um, at, um, you know, in the case of, again, because of the notoriety associated with COVID, they may want to collect data every every five minutes um, and make sure that it's it's within range. But why do people monitor? Because they want to know when there is a temperature excursion so that they can then do the appropriate corrective action to mitigate the problem. So that could be something as simple as turning the temperature down or in some cases, maybe turning the temperature up on the cold storage unit. If that can't, if that doesn't address the problem, then there has to be a process um, typically managed by the pharmacy to say, okay, we're getting everything out of that, uh, out of that cold storage unit and we're moving it ASAP to one that we know is functioning. So Centrac provides the, the ability to, to monitor and alert to send out notifications to people that uh, have to be in the know. Um, to be able to react to any kind of problem that might might occur. So I wouldn't say it's a challenge. Um, it's all there. The hospital does have policies uh, around this already. 
again, this COVID vaccine. So everybody's, you know, watching very carefully. We've definitely on Campus Safety covered a few instances where freezers have malfunctioned in one way or another, whether it's they've lost power and didn't have a backup generator or sensors were broken. Um, has Centrac had to address any of these issues or is once the technology is in place, is it kind of on the hospitals to handle any malfunctions that might come their way? Well, I, you know, I think in the case of, um, you know, uh, a failure on a, uh, on a cold storage unit to, you know, if it loses power or, or something on, on that order, then that's really up to the hospital's facilities team to address. Um, you know, Centrac's role is to provide alerts uh, that um, the temperature has, has risen. Um, you know, we're on a, you know, we're on a network um, and provided that network is, is functioning and the system is, um, you know, in use, uh, then uh, everything uh, can be uh, monitored and then uh, reacted to in the event of, of an excursion. Okay. And I imagine there are some similar technologies out there to Centrac. Do you think there's anything that helps set it apart from people that are other companies that are putting out similar technology? Well, yeah, you know, so, so I think one of the big um, attractions to, to Centrac is that, as I mentioned very early on, that we uh, are what's called an RTLS solutions provider. Um, we offer uh, multiple use cases, everything from uh, asset tracking to hand hygiene compliance uh, to uh, infant security, uh, a whole range uh, uh, nurse call uh, uh, monitoring, uh, a whole range of, of use cases. So it becomes really easy for a hospital to say, gosh, you know, um, Centrac's got a terrific temperature monitoring solution. Let's just pull, use that or we're going to add on um, to the system we already had because now we've just had to go purchase uh, 10 ultra low uh, freezers and you know, we'll just call Centrac and, you know, get more, more sensors. And we've seen a real uptick in our ultra low uh, sensor business. Yeah, I'm sure people or hospitals who have used your technology, like you said, for something like in infant security, were happy to see that it was able to be used in storing the vaccine as well, if they hadn't been storing the vaccine prior. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as I think we said earlier on that, um, you know, hospitals in my, uh, have been storing vaccines for the Vaccines for Children's program for, for many years. So it's the same, the COVID's the same thing. It's just got maybe in some cases different temperature requirements, but it's still the same. Right. Yeah. I think people, I think even myself think, expect there to be like this big different situation that needs to happen. And it's not necessarily the case. Um, no, but, but there is, but you know, when, when the, the, the ultra low, um, Pfizer vaccine um, is shipped, um, we do know that, you know, there's special temperature ranges that it has to be kept, even the thermal box. There's, um, uh, I think you, you're, you're familiar with the dry ice situation there um, that, mm. um, you know, that has to be refilled and you can do it up to five times. So there's, that piece is, is very, very specific. But once it gets into the ultra low freezer, you know, it's pretty much standard fare. Right, okay. And, and right now we've all seen that um, community vaccination vaccination sites, excuse me, are starting to pop up more and more now that it's becoming more available to the general public and not just hospital personnel. Has Centrac played a role in vaccine storage at these uh, community vaccination sites? 
Well, I, you know, it's hard to know uh, down to what level we're participating at because, you know, once the sensors go into the hospital, it's a little hard to know, you know, specifically what device it's on unless it's all captured in the, in the user interface. But um, it's certainly something that as long as there's a, uh, you know, a, a network available for that sensor to provide real-time data in a pop-up environment, then um, yes, we, we can. Um, I wish there were more pop-up environments. There seemed to, there were certainly an awful lot when it came to the COVID testing piece, you know, drive-in test sites, but um, we all know how slow and painfully slow the rollout has been. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, uh, it's absolutely within our capabilities to support any kind of a, a pop-up uh, situation. Okay, and this might not apply, but do you have any predictions for the future of Centrax involvement in the vaccine rollout once it is more widely available to the general public? Well, you know, um, I, I'm not a terribly good progressionist, uh, uh, ability to read the tea leaves, but I do think that uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll continue to participate in a very big way um, because we do have a proven technology well accepted uh, and, and, and trusted to, uh, to deliver the information that you know, caregivers, um, pharmacy directors, uh, and hospital operations folks um, expect. There's, there's really should be no room for error uh, in this. And, um, you know, we're, we're able to give them a solid, solid solution. So wherever it goes, whether it be um, uh, the, new, uh, the new variant, uh, variants uh, that might be, we might be facing, uh, I, I imagine that the, 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 the care given to the existing vaccine versus these new ones will still be the same. They'll still be the same temperature requirements. So I anticipate that we'll be able to, to do all that. Do you maybe have anything else you want to share that you've learned along the way or Centrac has learned throughout this whole process that you think could be helpful to hospitals or anyone who's um, tasked with the vaccine rollout and distributing it? Well, you know what, there's one thing that I think is important to know. Everybody's focused on, you know, let's get the sensors in there. Let's get them in those cold, cold storage unit, getting, to, getting them to report data. And, you know, we have all that information. Well, what happens in a year, right? So um, there is something called uh, NIST, which is a, a standard, an accuracy standard that, um, that all uh, sensor uh, and probe manufacturers have to comply to, which means that if we state the accuracy is, say half a degree or one, one degree uh, centigrade, that it has to be able to, to report that accuracy for a specific period of time. Now we do it for two years. Um, and then after two years, there is uh, a need to um, recalibrate or validate the accuracy of that, of that sensor. Because you know, if it drifts, which they, they can do, uh, and you start to get a, uh, an incorrect temperature, that, that could be a problem because you're, you're not really rec recording, uh, you're, not, you're not getting the right information. So to validate that, there has to be a process to exchange or somehow revalidate that, that probe. So what Centrac does is we offer this NIST uh, replacement program where the probe is just exchanged. And with that, you get a new certificate that any inspector um, would want to see to know that yes, the hospital is uh, reporting accurate accurate data from the Centrac sensor. So, you know that's good for a couple of years, and then there's uh, this replacement process, which from Centrac's perspective is very simple and low cost um, that the hospital would need to participate in. Okay. 
we've we've covered this on campus safety, but there are a lot of whether it's a hospital, a K through twelve school, or a college campus. So many of them have invested in technologies that I think they just panicked and implemented them, and they really won't be used beyond the pandemic. It's great that hospitals or anywhere else had has purchased a technology like Centrac can use it far beyond just the pandemic once it's over or whatever the next couple of years look like. Um, it's a good technology, it sounds like, to invest in. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, the sensors can be um, uh, redeployed into, uh, you know, other environments, um, although you know, I imagine that the, the vaccines will be uh, required for some time going forward. But if some site says, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to get out of the vaccine monitoring business or the vaccine distribution business, we're going to do something else, they can still take that sensor and, and redeploy it. So it's not like it's a, as you say, a lost investment. Right. And something that I just heard last night is that um, they're starting to distribute the vaccine. I want to say they, what did it say, a, a million a day or something like that to places like Walgreens and CVS. Um, do you have any idea if Centrac sensors are used in pharmacies in places like that? Well, we... Uh, we do not typically, uh, to this point, uh, participate in the retail pharmacy business. Now, that's a very interesting um, model because the uh, Walgreens and the CVSs and the Rite Aids of the world do not typically have uh, an ultra-low uh, minus 80 freezer. So that means that um, their, their warehouses, uh, I'm not sure how many CVS or Walgreens have, but they collectively between the two of them, they have 60 to 75 uh, around the country. So the vaccines uh, will sit in those uh, distribution centers where there are ultra low freezers. And then um, because it's a very well managed or should be a very well managed appointment based system that say the, um, the CVS in Tewksbury or wherever it might be, says, okay, I, we've got uh, 26 patients coming in today um, at these hours. So that distribution point is gonna ship enough to, to cover those 26 patients. So even though there's an ultra low temperature storage requirement uh, you know, in the distribution center, it can travel to specific retail sites and be held at um, less than ultra cold temperatures for a period of time before it becomes ineffective. So um, all those Walgreens and CVSs do have uh, regular uh, you know, two to eight uh, minus 15 to 25 uh, storage, cold storage units. I imagine for, for them, it's, it's going to be a lot of maybe a little sloppy at the beginning and a lot of trial and error. Um, but thankfully, like you said, that it can be out of the freezer for X amount of hours. So that'll work to their advantage if there's uh, you know, some buffers that they need in time. Yeah, I think it all boils down to the effectiveness of the, of the scheduling system. Right. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what the coming weeks look like, that's for sure. Yeah, well, we're all anxious uh, to get it here in California. Um, they were still in 1B, so um, seems like it's been a long time to get to the next level. Um, we're hoping for something soon at yeah. CBS Walgreens. Well, I mean, your state's population is insane. So I imagine that's a, a big, a big undertaking in a lot of ways. Yeah, well, the population is, I believe, 39 or 40 million. But of that, um, you know, I think there's still a question as to the uh, um, 
the vaccination of adolescents. Um, so the population, you know, maybe it's 30 or 25, I don't know, but it's many millions. Um, so they do need to get it right. Yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's different so much from state to state. Like for example, New Hampshire seems to be ahead of the ball, but they also, you know, have a, a much lower of a population. So I think it's easier in a lot of ways to get, to get that rolled out in certain states, so. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, look at the state of Florida. Um, they've rolled it out to um, many people that uh, are in 1C, 65 years old. Well, that's a significantly larger part <laughs> of the population in Florida than in, say, it might be in, in maybe New Hampshire or, uh, you know, Iowa, who, who knows? But uh, they, I think they've got that down pretty well. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you again so much for talking with me. Uh, I know so much changed in the last couple of weeks that we spoke and maybe sometime in the near future, we can set something else up, but I really appreciate you taking the time to speak well, with us. Thanks for uh, the interview, Amy. And I hope that, uh, you know, this, uh, this gets out there and, um, you know, it can be helpful to people and uh, hopefully put them at ease that uh, our, our hospitals know how to manage this and uh, they should feel comfortable that when they do get the vaccine, it's gonna do as, uh, as promised.